Welcome to Real GM Radio. I am Daniel LaRue, your host, and happy to have you with us for this episode. Happy New Year. Apologies for not doing an episode the last couple weeks. Traveling made that difficult, but it'll make up for it with two episodes this week. And that starts with a Tears podcast with Matt Moore. And he picked a really interesting criteria for this episode focused on like the length of a team's window, whether that's for a championship or otherwise. Thought it was a really fascinating conversation, runs about an hour, is brought to you by... FanDuel, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet at FanDuel.com slash Boston. I'll go through all those details later. And as you could guess, we don't get into extreme detail on all 30 teams, but we discuss everybody at least at least in passing, because that's all you can do with 30 teams in an hour. But of course, significant conversations on some of the ones we disagreed on and other things. So I hope you really enjoy it. I really enjoyed being a part of it. And here we go. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. I love doing this. I look forward to it. Um, I was thinking the other day as I was doing the putting this, these together for today that it, you know, we could just do like the championship tiers every time and just look at who how good these teams are. But for me, it's much more helpful for thinking um, about the league and understanding it for us to talk about these things from from so many different perspectives as we do each time. I agree. And it also kind of changing the focus allows me to stay a little bit more agile mentally and kind of reassess reassess these teams. And some, some of them are easy, some of them are harder, but I'll let you walk through the criteria because I believe this is the first time we've ever done this one. It is the first time we've ever done this one. Uh, we're going to do widest playoff contention window. So not just this season, but long term over the next, let's say, six seasons what does your championship window look like? And for me, I, I wound up diagnosing this as it's better to have a very narrow window with a championship at the end that you can see than it is for you to have a very wide window of playoff contention, but you can't really see the horizon, so to speak, in terms of the championship. Um, and so I just kind of diagnosed it from we're trying to, to get a sense of not just who has a chance, the best chance of winning the title this year, but if they don't, what does next year look like? How much pressure are they under to get it done now, tomorrow, next year, the year after, rather than um, some teams which are at the top for me are going to have like, you know what, the next six to eight years, uh, we're in pretty good position. One challenge that I had, and I'll, I'll talk about this when we get into it, is I, I grouped teams and I had a little trouble ordering tiers in this one where mm-hmm. it was like, well, what, what would you want? And so I, I think for me, don't necessarily think like, oh, tier two is way better than tier four. It depends on right. what you're valuing as an organization. Like if, if you'd like to be consistently relevant, then there there are lots of like owners or fans or whoever who would rather be in certain tiers than others, you know, depending on how you feel about all these things. And that doesn't even consider what they've done in the past, because that's not a really fair thing to consider here because that that loads things up. And I can start my tier one. What I said is widest credible and currently open title windows and open in one of these cases is definitely arguable, but I think that can be a point of discussion. And it's only three teams. And number one is the Denver Nuggets. A, they just did it. And I'll explain why I have the Nuggets in the same tier, but sort of over the Celtics, there's a specific reason for it. Then the Celtics, and then the one that I think is an arguable slash questionable in- inclusion here is the Oklahoma City Thunder. I have the exact same three, Danny. So we're we're in lockstep to begin this. Um, we we yeah. won't be forever, but we are right now. Yeah, I mean, look, it makes the most sense, right? Where you know, for Denver, they specifically like they they've outright said it. Like Calvin Booth has said that his goal is for them to not have a championship window for a year or two, but the uh, the, so the quote-unquote two timelines, right? It's why they drafted Peyton Watson and have committed so much playing time to him. It's why they drafted Julian Strother. They drafted older players in the second round and gave them multi-year deals in order to be like, we're committing to developing young talent. And that means that there are some holes on the roster in terms of veteran stuff that you would like to see from the bench sometimes. But their window in terms of the starting five in particular, you know, Aaron Gordon has four to five years of quality to playoff contention left. Like over the next six years, the Nuggets will have opportunities. Plus, um, for me, a lot of this was also, okay, not just if you ran this core back year after year after year after year, what does that look like? But also 
if you got to a point where you felt like you plateaued, could you make do you have players that you can use to make a move and maybe boost yourself to another level? And I think Denver does. I think Boston does. And I think definitely OKC does. And so the three of those, it's interesting that the gap between OKC and people will say, like, you're getting to ahead of yourselves. They haven't played a single playoff game. That that's totally fair. This isn't about like the Thunder have a championship window this season. This is if you tell me that the, if you told me that the Oklahoma City Thunder won the finals over the next six years, I would be less surprised. I think that has a higher chance of happening than it does over the same window, given the competition level, even if teams below them are better. I agree. And also the Thunder's capacity, one of the other elements, you know, I'm more of a cap dork um, that comes in is what is your financial capacity to improve? And that is both a logistical, how much, you know, cap space and all that, but also a practical, how close are you to what it appears to be your ownership spending limit? And so for Boston and Denver, they're extremely good teams, but generally speaking, they're they're going to do it with a similar version of their structure. And Boston, I think you can make a very credible argument that once Jason Tatum gets his next contract, they may actually need to cut something. They'll still be a really, really good team, but especially when Drew Holiday and all these other things come in. But I wanted to—I don't want to spend a lot of time on this. But one of the other elements that why I had you know within a tier, I'm, I'm arguing that you could put them in any order generally, is I have Denver over Boston in part because. I think it's more sustainable to kind of build around a singular player rather than a constellation. Because the idea is if as long as Jokic is there and and there is, you know, he's 28, so like 28 season, so there there could be some drop off at some point, and also like maybe he just wants to do something with horses or whatever else. But it's easier for Denver to retool around him than it is for Boston as good as they are because their system, you know, uses a lot of good players. And so if somebody takes a step back, if somebody, you know, gets traded or something like that. So we're splitting hairs, but I think it's a hair worth splitting. I agree. I think a fair argument, you know, Boston fans would try and claim that Tatum is on that level. This is one of the like the really interesting things is Tatum's resume and statistics all suggest that he is in one tier. And yet all of us are kind of like, well, I know he's like really good, but like, no, like he's not there. And I think that that's like an interesting distinction because usually these things really much are built on accomplishment. And Tatum's made a finals. Like Tatum's made the finals as the best team, as the best player on the best team in, in the conference. And I think that that's, that's really important to distinguish. But I still would maintain like, yeah, he's not on Jokic's level. He's not on Embiid's level. He's not on Giannis's level. He's not on Luka's level. He's not, quite honestly, then this would wrinkle a lot of feathers. He's not on Shea's level. He's just not. Like, based off a of regular season performance. Maybe Shea completely flames out the playoffs and we'll reevaluate if that happens. Um, but I do want to give Tatum this, this, which is there is still time and he gets better at controlling the game every single year. And so three years from now, we might be talking about Jason Tatum as an entirely different and better player than we are now. And if that's the case, we're no longer talking about a constellation, but instead maybe he becomes that omega forward that brings everything together, which is another reason I think to, to make sure that they're here, which is for all of their their talent, their quality, their sustained success really over the past decade, if you think back, decades of that strong, seven years, um, for all of that, they also have room to grow. And I think that that's like a real positive for them. And, you know, there you mentioned them having to cut someone eventually. What for me, what this winds up being is, hey, they may have to trade Jalen Brown. They signed him to this contract. It's better to have Jalen than not to have him. They signed him to the extension. But if they avoid the mistake that Phoenix did, and instead of using Jalen Brown to try and go get another star, but instead they're just like, no, 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 let's just like get as much help for Tatum uh, slash Tatum Porzingis slash Tatum Porzingis White uh, as possible, that opens up their window even wider. And you can just prolong this and, and giving yourselves as many shots at making a conference finals is always a better strategy, I think, for, for championship contention. I like the way you phrase that. And also when you even though Jalen Brown is having a challenging year in a lot of respects, he has an established level of quality. He is young enough and plays a position that is scarce enough that there will be teams interested. And and Boston has the capacity to to engage in different kinds of deal structures to make this work if that's what they need to do. Like saving money would presumably be part of it, but they can add depth. They can do a lot of different stuff. And then OKC, the other thing that they have, which the other teams have less, is 
internal improvement where they're a good team right now. We don't know how great of a playoff team they're going to be, but beyond all of the other picks and everything else that they have is that there is a reasonable expectation that a lot of their most important players and some of their less important players will get better from here. And so we know from the past that that does not guarantee a championship or even championship contention, but it's a good place to be. And so that's why I think they deserve this. I will say outside of that group, I have kind of two different categories, and I struggled. This is one of the first ones where I was like, oh, well, which way do you want to order this? So I have one that I call, it's very possible now, but then there's a steep drop coming. And then the other where I don't expect them to win a championship, but their window is a lot wider. And um, so I'll let you you choose which of those two groups you want to discuss first. So as a comparison point from the top, I've got then the window is closing, but you can see the horizon. So this is kind of that that group that you talked about with it's a very steep drop of these teams. It's like I can absolutely see them winning a championship. And I will say that these teams are, okay three years max, I think, is probably where I would get to. Um, Three years is as long as I think that they have before things would have to change. And it's very interesting, the reasons of differential between them. Um, And then my other group below that is the one that you mentioned, which is, uh, it's I I label them, you have time. You don't have the answer yet, but you have time to figure it out. You have the pieces in place to compete for a championship. You just got to unlock what you need to unlock. What's interesting is beyond that, I have teams that the title window is almost completely closed. And a lot of those teams could win the title this season, but they do not have the capacity over the next two years, like beyond the next two years, that the teams above them do. Um, Let's start with the teams where there's a steep drop-off. The window is, for me, it's the window is closing, but you can see all the way to the horizon. And I've only got two teams here, and it's the Philadelphia 76ers and the Milwaukee Bucks. Interesting. I actually have those two teams in different tiers um, Mm -hmm. of the the two that we're talking about, but I... I can see. So your logic on having Philly in this group is that so you think that is it Joel's health? Is that the reason that you have them kind of in a a steep drop potential? For me, it's it's a combination of the steep drop. And then Joel was like soft launching some stuff this summer with his comments that indicated like we better get this right because otherwise I might not want. I'm going to win a championship, whether it's here, quote, or somewhere else. Okay, Mm -hmm. and so everyone kind of like raises the alarms and moves the DEFCON four and then, you know, Maxi explodes and they, you know, D'Anthony Melton's having a great season and they're getting great contributions from all these guys. They make the hardened trade and Batum's playing great and everything is awesome. But if they have all of this go and Nick Nurse is coming in, I think done a phenomenal job and he gives them the best like this is their best chance of winning a title. If they can't win a title with Embiid at this level. With Maxi at this level, with Nick Nurse, with this roster, if you can't win a title, at some point there's going to be some things has to to change. And so for me, like I maybe this is wrong and maybe it's just like, yeah, Embiid's going to be there. And so they've got a window for the next six years. Maybe that's how it is. Maybe it's like Denver. But I don't see it that way, and I think that there's more pressure on them. The Bucks are more operating on a literal – like time is literally working against them. They got to worry about Chris and Giannis – or I'm sorry, Chris and Brooke and Dame. Like all of those guys are going to get, wind up getting old enough to where the, the, the production and efficiency and impact start to drop. And once that happens, things are going to go sideways very quickly. Um, so they're in a much like different pressure situation than Philadelphia, which is like – Philadelphia is in, if you can't do it now, when are you going to be able to do it? But they're still in a better position than some of the teams I have later where it's like the window is almost closed. The window is not as closed because they can find ways to maybe pull this off. But I do think the pressure is enough that like you you better get this done. Now, maybe the, the answer on this one is also, hey, if you win a title with Philly, maybe that reopens the window. Like you, you prove you can do it. You've gotten past it. You get past all that stress and criticism. And then if the Sixers were to win the title this year, I would probably say that their window, like that would move them into the top tier because it'd be like, all right, the pressure's off. You can just compete year after year with what you know is a championship formula. But their failures have been so pronounced. I think you have to put them in a situation where, hey, the window is closing just from the pressure that this team is going to feel. I hadn't thought about it that way. But what I find fascinating is like you and I did a kind of a pressure based podcast before the season started and we had Philly 
kind of number one, each of us, for a completely different reason. And your argument, which I think is sound, I just hadn't considered it before, is that they kind of transition from one pressure group to another, which is they went to like this better work to it's working so well that now it needs to work so that we can, you know, so that I have faith in in the process kind of it, right. if you want to put it that way. That's really fascinating. And I think there is there is reason to believe it. I think that Joel would probably have a little bit more time on it. That's part of the reason I have them there. The other part of it is, I, I as well as Phillies played, I mean, as we're recording this, they're number two in cleaning the glass net rating, and they've had this great year, and they've been, you know, they've been healthier than some, unhealthier than others, depending on how you want to see it, and they're, you know, they're number two on the dunks and threes version as well of net rating, and more further from Boston in that one, but the question that I still have, you know, Joel Embiid's not really scheme versatile on defense, even though they have a more malleable coach there, and then can their offense work against the best of the best? Like, well, we'll have to see those answers. And so I'm still not entirely sure. And there's also the question mark with Philly of, well, what are they going to do? They can add one more piece. What is that going to be? How does that change this one way or the other? And, and you know, we don't know who that's going to be. We'll have a probably a better idea a month from now, but maybe not a definitive one. So yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting one. And Milwaukee, I don't think there's much argument. I mean, they're, they're whatever group you're putting this in, that's where the Bucks are. And so for me, I had that. But then I had I had other group teams in that group. I think the Bucks are the quintessential example. And the basic idea of it though was it's like if it's not now, it's not going to be ever. And so like I, I did that's not what I titled the group. But so for me, the other ones you can add there, like the Clippers to me are a spiritually similar team where they're a little bit younger, but whether you want to call it one year, two years, three years, after that, it's going to get a whole lot less plausible. And what's interesting here is I think if you ask GMs, they would rather be in this group than they would rather be in the ones where we're like their window is pretty wide. Like, there's a lot of ways that they can get there because you, you just never know if you're if when it can explode, when it can change, when an injury or luck or whatever could happen and you could be completely thrown sideways. Um, and so I think they would rather take like be in one of these these squads because what you're talking about is when I said I have a group called the title windows almost completely closed. Mm-hmm. Um, and that group for me is the Phoenix Suns. Sure. The Los Angeles Lakers. Sure. The Miami Heat. Yep. And the Los Angeles Clippers. Yeah. And and I threw the Warriors in there, though, that <laughs> you could just say it's closed now and I wouldn't fight it like that. The the argument, I mean. Yeah. So I have I, I, I was going through and I was like, I have I was like, I was like counting and I was like, oh, I have 29 teams. I was like, who am I missing? And I was like, oh, I'm missing Golden State. And I realized that the reason is because uh, and I have and then I just kind of enter, enter and then put them into this group um, right below the title window, which is Schrodinger's window. <laughs> I like that. It's like the Warriors might be dead and we just won't we just haven't accepted it or they could still win the title and we just haven't seen it yet and the schedule's been too difficult. The schedule in particular I think is the only thing that's kind of holding me back is when you look at, at dunks and threes or basketball reference and they have a top three toughest schedule so far and you look at their overall performance and you're like, okay, they're not good, but they've been okay versus an incredibly difficult schedule with Draymond suspension and all of the stuff that, that has gone on. But I'm still just kind of like, I don't know. Like like you said, it may be closed. And I'm trying this year to be a little bit more um, – to have a little bit more of a spine, right? Mm-hmm. To be like, no, like this is not going to happen. Like currently I will tell you that with the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm like I cannot see them winning the title. Like right now they are not in – like if we did the tiers group of just title contention, the Bucks would not be tier one. I cannot put them there with their defense. And with the Warriors, you know, I'm just kind of like, boy, it's really hard. You don't want to look stupid by counting out freaking Steph Curry and a team that's won four titles. But there is just nothing you can dig. You can't dig under the numbers and find almost anything redeeming beyond like, yeah. hey, they're 11th and or like, adjusted off. Hey, hey, they've done it before. Like that's yeah. it, and it's the, the fundamental challenge of like with with teams that have done and it's in the worst case, it's not like, oh, it was in 2019, like. They won the championship in 2022. There's only been one title winner crowned since they last won. But 
I'm gonna I'm gonna give those teams more deference sometimes than and I I'm conservative taking teams out and I'm conservative putting them in, but I completely understand. And like the other one for me that's like that is why the hell I I have moments where I'm like, why do I still have the Lakers here? Where but then it's like, you idiot, they made the conference finals last year. Granted, they yeah. made it by going through some soft competition relative to general quality there, and then that gets into an indictment of the Warriors. But the, I mean, the Lakers, you know, did the playoffs. We can't even win a game type of thing, though they did have a nice win over the Clippers on Sunday. Um, so they're hard to square for me as well. And and you get into that, and Phoenix is their own challenge because of how their season has gone. So, yeah, I, I in some ways, I agree with you that this is a – in some ways, it's a safer group to be to be running because you you know the framework. And you and there isn't that much that you can do. It also generally happens that most of these teams are pretty asset limited. So when you're thinking about running it, then you're pretty straightforward in all of those respects. There are some exceptions, but not that many. That's why you know you could argue Phoenix is the poster child of this. Uh, any of these, I, I guess, for Miami, I think the point the point that some people may miss is that their their finances are actually way tougher than I think some have really talked about the money that they owe to Jimmy and Bam, which is completely justified based on how well those guys have played, plus Hero, and then whatever they do, like, it's actually hard for Miami to not only add talent, but to maintain where they are without Mickey Harrison and others just being willing to pony up. And we haven't necessarily seen that. I believe in Pat Riley, I believe in Eric Spolstra, but they have a harder they have a harder path to staying the same than some teams do. Yeah, I think so. I think that's absolutely accurate. I think um, the other thing I think to kind of keep in mind too with um, with the Heat is like Jimmy's got extension stuff coming up, mm-hmm. and you don't know how that's going to go. Uh, There's a report today from uh, Steve Bullpet that used to work at the at the Globe and and does a pretty good work, and he talked about how um, the expectation is that they're still shopping for like a superstar addition, right? And can they get there? Like, what does that do with their chemistry? Like, there's all these types of questions. But for me, it really just kind of boils down to, like, look, Jimmy Butler has gone hero mode in at least one series to get them as far as they have each and every single time. And that dude is missing more and more games and is more and more worn out. And, like, the window is just closing. And if it's, you know, Bam, I think, has made a huge leap this season and is much better and is being the kind of player that um, you can build a franchise around if he's, like, your, I don't even know, number two. If he's, like, 1B, right? But if you don't have Jimmy Butler and you're trying to replace him, it's going to be difficult, especially given the money that you've dedicated to Tyler Hero and others. So... Um, I, I definitely think that the – especially – here's the other thing is it would be one thing if, if you had this model of like, yes, we've paid Jimmy Butler, and yes, he's been great for us in the playoffs. But if you really look at it, like we have so much sustained success, and we're good no matter what. And the answer is more like – no, I mean you could make runs if you get like – if you had a situation like last year where you made the run, you have the capacity to do that. But you're not like cranking out 50-win seasons. You're not just – I'm not penciling in the heat every single year for 50-plus wins. And then uh, – and without them being there with Jimmy at this point, they have to kind of be considered to have like a shorter window. And eventually Pat Riley is going to retire, and that will change the direction of the team short and long term. It will. And I, I talked about ownership's willingness to spend. That is another huge variable for the Heat. And they have a lot of guys who are going to be owed more money relatively soon, like Caleb Barton, how that negotiation goes. And, you know, he's missed time this year, but he's still important to what they want to do. Haywood Highsmith, if he's going to stick around or maybe they just find the next Haywood Highsmith. They've done a great job of that over the years. My next group, if you want to even call it next in the same same kind of area, I called it the widest conference finals plus title windows, but they're unlikely champions in any individual year. And so this is the group that I have the Sixers in. I I respect why you had them in a different place. And I want to run through the other ones. I think there's, it's a motley crew, but a pretty compelling one. One is the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies, I think, are going to be relevant for a while. I don't expect them to win a championship in the next six years. Probably the weirdest thing that could help their path is if they, they end up getting a really good pick this year and nailing it. Like, that could potentially change it. But, you know, Jaw, Jaron, Bain, can that foundation get you there? Maybe. I'm not entirely sure. Then you also have the Cavs, similar kind of story, you know, more to me, more in the, like, very good can pop into a conference finals than champion. Then the the other wild cards, which are the Pelicans and the Wolves, and both those teams have financial challenges, but they're very talented. And I would I wouldn't expect either this iteration of the Pels or this iteration of the Wolves to win, but I do expect them to be relevant in the first round or beyond for the next four or five years. 
Give me the list of, of teams. Sixers, Grizzlies, Cavs, Pelicans, Wolves. Interesting. Okay, so I got some of your guys, and I got some other ones. I've got in this group, which is you have time. My my thought process was like, hey, you've shown that you can make you can make beyond the first round of the playoffs, which means that you are within spitting distance of Final Four, which really means that you're within spitting distance of the finals. So you you just need like the the one thing to unlock, whether that's internal development, a trade, a coaching change, whatever. You just need the right change of circumstance, and you're right. Right there because you have a core that is young enough for you to have this opening and for me i have the pals there i have the wolves there despite ruby gobert's age um i have the dallas mavericks mm-hmm. i have the sacramento kings which you i understand an argument of like the kings are just not going to win a title with this group i i get it i'm just saying if they absolutely if the opportunity came and they found like the guy to put next to Fox and they leveraged the whole kitten caboodle. I, I think that there's enough there. If they were able to make that deal without giving up Keegan or if it included Keegan and not Domanas, like th- a player that could cover for Demont for Domas, like all of these things I think are, are possible for them. The Memphis Grizzlies, as you mentioned, and my final one is the New York Knicks. I thought about including the Knicks. I think they're, they're completely valid to, to be included within this group. I, Still, I'm a little bit skeptical of their idea of adding like another star, you know, like the superstar idea. That's it's possible, but it's going to take a lot, especially after they they got OG and unless they're willing to include Ananobi if he resigns in that kind of a deal. But yeah, I'm going to move the Knicks in here. I think that's dessert. I, I, I can't in good conscience, as much as I love Anthony Edwards and think that he is a differentiator here, have the Wolves here and not the Knicks because yeah. I think that they're profile as playoff teams over the next couple of years is pretty similar i mean look I, i've already said this on twitter and i'm 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 with it which is like i think that the knicks are going to upset either the bucks or the sixers in the playoffs Ooh. uh i think jalen brunson is going to absolutely tear those teams apart in drop coverage i don't like they do not have the perimeter defenders to sick on uh jalen brunson to slow him down oh you could have so, just said they don't have the perimeter defenders you didn't even yeah, need yeah, to get yeah, further right yeah um, I, I, I like their model. Um, for me, OG was a, uh, was a major, major upgrade, uh, for, it was like such a perfect fit. And then I, I've reported on this over at action. Like, look, if you are represented by CAA, they're still going after you. They called a Western conference team that has been to the finals in the last five years. And they called about their franchise superstar and tried to get him there because he was represented by CAA. And of course that was, it was a very short conversation. Like they will continue to do this and towns I still think is like actually kind of possible and having Randall and it's really interesting because like Randall's been first team or not first team. He's been all all NBA. He's made all NBA and all star teams like he should probably get more respect than he deserves. But if I ask most of the folks of you and I's ilk that analyze this game for a living, who would you rather have Randall or towns? Probably a majority of us are going to say towns. And so if you just upgrade that position and you're like, okay, hey, our starting five is uh, Jalen Brunson, um, Josh Hart or Dante DiVincenzo, uh, OG Ananobi, Carl Anthony Towns, and if you were to return Mitchell Robinson. Okay, like, is that the best starting five in the Eastern Conference? No, it is not. Is it one that can absolutely cause mayhem? And if things go awry with injuries and fate, can they make a finals? I think so. So um, I think they absolutely belong in this group. Lots more to discuss, but first a message from FanDuel. The NFL regular season is wrapped up, but there is still time to get in on NFL action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get 150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, the best way to find popular parlays, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. 
Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITHIT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in, Indi- in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia, or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call one 800 327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope ny or text HOPE-NY in New York. You know, Memphis, it's funny just because it, they obviously they've had the year from hell. We're recording this after Jaws out for the year with the labrum. And it's just like a simply a matter of like, yeah, like sometimes that's what happens to you. Like sometimes you get the year from hell. They got the year from hell. And that doesn't mean that they don't have an – like Desmond Bain has slid under the radar this year with how great he has been. Um they, I think, treated this year a little bit like a gap year in terms of not addressing some of the roster problems. They now clearly know they got to scrap everything with the bench and the role players and start getting actual NBA vets in. And they'll have the opportunity, I think, to do that this summer. Um, the Pels are maybe the most interesting one because I want to ask you about that one. Is their window that wide considering that one of the major things I see when they lose games, their fan base reacts with our star players are not good enough? And that usually leads long term to something's got to give. So, like, how do you evaluate that in terms of this of of looking at this, which is do they really have a window if even their own fans are like, I don't know if these guys could be the best players on a championship team? I don't think that this like if if all you said the Pelicans weren't going to make a substantial change from this point, I don't think they're going to win a championship. However, why the Pelicans deserve to be in this boat is that unlike most teams, not only due to the resources they have for the future, but also just the players they have at present, they have the capacity to shift things around. You know, it's kind of like the, the you, you talked about as having time, that this isn't right, but something else could be, and there's a path to getting there. So, like, it's the difference between them and OKC is, like, I believe in OKC's mix. I don't believe in New Orleans, but I do believe in their ability to get there. And... It likely involves Zion being healthy and engaged and everything else, and they've had some good stretches recently where Zion and Ingram have been more engaged. I personally, you know, as as well as he's played at times, think that probably it's Ingram that would need to go for them to win a championship. And, I mean, I don't love CJ on a championship team either, but they do have the resources, and their money issues are real, but they're also not as onerous. This is another team kind of like Memphis in that way, where people were freaking out about Memphis's money stuff. Not that in the, in the scope of everything, it's not actually that bad. So if you were to tell me that like rosters were frozen, then yeah, I think you're, what you're saying is, well, first of all, it is fair either way, but I believe that not only do they have that capacity, but also the players they have would generate interest. Like, I mean, we even got those little murmurs about the idea that the Pelicans could go out and get the third pick and get Scoot. Like, most most teams don't have the ability to do that and still have a good team. Yeah, I would agree uh, with that assessment. So we've gone through the title window. Um, the, so, you, have, you have time. Where do you want to go next? I have one team in a tier by themselves. So okay. I think it's worthy to, to just discuss them on their own merits. And that's the Spurs. And the reason for that is because they're they might have that generational talent. We did, we'll we'll see with Wembenyama. Obviously, there have been more signs. I believe in my my evaluation beforehand that there is no guarantee that any player will be a star, but he has a lot of that potential. So that's that's the thing. Also, the Spurs don't have very much long term money locked up. They will eventually have to find a different head coach, even if Pop stays in the front office. But I didn't think it was fair to either include them within the teams that are already good because the Spurs are terrible and getting from where they are to much better. It is doable, but it is not done. And they're significantly brighter future than like the Hornets or even the Pistons. (laughs) Like, so to me, they stand, they stand apart from everyone else. And I hope that other teams will join this group of like, they'll be good. They're just terrible right now. But they stand out to me, so I put them in their own group. 
Uh, I have them in the second to bottom tier, which is it will take years, but the window is wide once opened. So uh, I think it's one of those where when they add a point guard that they actually want to play, then it's going to be like, oh, okay, so like they're a 30 win team now just with Weminyama and a viable point guard. And then once they, the you know, the sell Kelvin Johnson, if they mature or if they replace them with veteran wings, oh, okay, so like they're definitely in playoff contention. And then it's, oh, Weminyama's making it made a leap. You know, now they can win 50. It's like these steps are very – it's very easy to see these versus the bottom tier where it's like I don't know what your plan is here. Like mm-hmm. I don't know. It's going to take a black swan event uh, in the draft for for you to be able to reassert yourselves um, a, as things go. So um, I have San Antonio still very low because you're right. Like I guess here's the thing. If we're doing this on the six-year timeline, it's like are they contenders in six years at any point? I'm like probably not. Like, I just don't think that that I think I and, I and honestly, this has been one of the, the kind of funny things. Their success works against them because they got Duncan, but that <laughs> they got Duncan with a team that literally had been like a Western Conference powerhouse for five years with David Robinson. And then they downshifted. Robinson was out. They get Duncan and then they win the title and they're off. But like, that's not the situation. You know, they were bare bones. And so the Spurs themselves have have really been clear that they are going to take a like this is a. This is nice. I only think this is a six-year plan. This is like a ten-year plan, you know. And Pop won't be there for the end of it. Like this is a lot of it. Like Pop's planting seeds in a garden. He's not going to get to see. And I think he's okay with that. But once they're there, Women Yama is such a singular talent. Uh, they'll be in a good spot. And especially like you know, look, this this draft is supposedly weak. We never know. Uh, we'll see what they do then. But maybe they add number two, and it's like, oh man, they got they've got that guy and that guy. Wow. And so that kind of changes it. Um, and that's one of the reasons for them to be as patient. As they have been. Um, to kind of skip back to the top, I've got these are teams that I think have a wide playoff window. Sure, that that's which, a tier I have left too. Yeah, which is like these teams are. You know, it doesn't take much for me to see you competing over the next six years for a playoff spot. You're going to have to find ways to work yourself into that. You have time group where it's like, all right, you're there. Uh, it's Orlando, Indiana, Houston, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Toronto Raptors. I'm assuming the Raptors play. So the Raptors are interesting. I had them in a different tier, but I, the the rationale basically being that I think they're going to get worse in the short term. But yeah. they do have a player in Scotty Barnes that I, I think could be intriguing long term. Yep. Um, the team that I mean, so I have Cleveland in a stronger tier just because I, I think I'm a bigger believer in in what they can be, which is fine. Like that, their disagreements and evaluation, and you and I, you, you already brought up. You have the like you and I kind of have the Mavs and Cavs flipped, which is fine. Like yeah. it's just getting, getting this group. Houston, I think they're they're a great inclusion in this. Where they're a good team now. I I love what you know a lot of what they've done this year, and and Imadoka, and I mean Shangun's growth, but. Expecting them to go from where they are now to viable championship contender, that's going to require huge steps forward. And I'm not talking about like from one or two guys, unless it's like one guy going from where they are now to superstar, it's going to take probably three or four. And I like a lot of their guys. I don't think that's going to be Jalen Green. I don't expect it to be Jabari. It's possible. I don't expect it. I mean, the most likely would actually probably be Shangun, but... That's a lot to ask, especially when you consider what he's already doing. So, yeah, I think I think they're kind of the quintessential team in this group to me. Yeah, like Rockets fans believe that Shangun can be like a top five guy in the next five years, and I'm like, I don't know. I think he can be top fifteen, top ten if everything goes right. But that's about as, as good as I think I can see him, and that's not going to get you to championship level. So they either need Jalen Green to wake up, snap out of it, and figure out who, what he's going to be in this league, or for Jabari Smith to evolve to, you know, where he was once an, uh, the presumptive number one pick before the uh, Magic switcheroo, and Orlando likewise, which is like, you know, can Paolo be that guy, or is he going to be more like Carmelo? And maybe Carmelo gets you like right to the cusp of a championship, right? Because Carmelo made a conference finals. Um, but that's like the, the question is like, what? Where does where does Paolo evolve to? The one team actually, I think I'm softest on in this group in terms of wanting to put them higher is probably indiana where tyrese is the one guy where i'm just like i know i can build a top five offense with tyrese halberton at the helm i have no questions about that like i am absolutely positive i can build a top five offense with tyrese halberton as my best player um and so you know you, you look even recently at their strides defensively once they started to actually be like okay maybe we could just like not give all of our effort on offense and try a little bit on defense you're seeing the rewards of that recently with them so 
like Indiana might need, might honestly need to go into the you have time category because they do have Matherin and they do have Nemhart and they do have still Miles Turner that um, who they can turn into something if they need to. They have all these guys that I think can can either pop individually through development or they can be used to trade for an asset down the line. Indiana I might honestly be a little too soft on. Cleveland, here's my deal. Um, look, th- this year has just gone so far haywire with their injuries, right? Like they're the the Western or the Eastern Conference Grizzlies, where it's just like a year from hell. Um, they've got Donovan, but that's the thing is like I I haven't heard anything about Mitchell, but there is so much reporting that it's a matter of time that like I can't refute it or play against it. I have to assume Donovan Mitchell is not going to be on that roster in the, by the end of the summer. Or or at least two years, if it's yeah. like, like yeah. I have to assume that. And so, if their best player is not going to be on the team, then I you know that moves them. But it's also like they're not the, the the window's not closed because it's like you still have Garland and Mobley, and you have a lot of growth there that you can get to. And they're going to trade Jared Allen for what I think is going to be a really good return. So like, there's a lot of good there. They're yeah, going to be a playoff team. I just can't see them given their circumstances. I, I do not see like the title component just based off of like, uh, and this is what's really weird about sports is sometimes all of the things can be there. And when it doesn't work for you, even if it's just like fate, the whole team is kind of like, yeah, it just wasn't our year. Like, yeah, this, this concoction, it just didn't work out. And that's how it feels a little bit with the Cavs. Totally reasonable. I think of them very similarly to the Pelicans on the idea that it's not going to be this group, but it could be a group that stems from it. And that could be, you know, they're not going to trade Donovan Mitchell for a player that is as good as Donovan Mitchell. If that has to happen, it's going to be something different. But then you can make that something different. Like the nice thing about having Garland, having Mobley is that there are a lot of different permutations that can exist and you can build a good team off of it. Are any of those teams a championship team? I don't know. That's going to be a real challenge there. So it's it's fair. Um, we didn't talk a lot about Dallas because I think the we talked about the cat. I brought up the Cavs and Mavs are kind of similar here. I think of them in some ways similar, a shorter window version of the Pacers where it's like you can score on anybody. Can you cobble together enough of a defense for me to actually buy you as a title contender? Even if it's like the things break right, you get a couple of injuries. I'm not all the way there. If it was like, can we'll be a playoff team for the next decade? Like you, that's one of the other kind of like sub elements of this that I'm there. So that's kind of, I, I'm in a similar boat. Actually, that's what part of why I have Dallas and Indiana in the same one, even though Dallas is better, better right now. I think Indiana in part because they're younger and a little bit more fluid, they could be in this area for a while. Yeah, I think, you know, I I will say that there's always this kind of idea of, you know, well, Luke is going to eventually ask. And I'm like, I don't know, guys, like he gets to be the, the, the head of the franchise for a very successful large market team that has shown that it will let him do whatever he wants. There are no restrictions on Luka Doncic. There's nothing like I don't know what what's better for him. What what environment is better for him? So well, and and it's also like we haven't gotten an indication yet of what he wants and whether yeah. you want to describe it as the you know the European players because we haven't seen them issue where they are to go to New York or LA really yeah. very much so far. But I I'm willing to give more deference in those cases. And the other key element of this with Luka, and this will clarify over the course of years because he's still. You know, he's still a reasonable amount of time away from conceptual, not even actual, unrestricted free agency. And so Luca, you know, like his contract functionally, if he declines that player option, expires in 26. Is is there even going to be that, you know, like what the Sixers are, for example, this summer, where it's like a good team that can add you? That, That was the what always made the Warriors Durant thing so compelling to me is the. They can add you and do that. But then with Luca, it's the added thing which you brought up so adeptly, which is does that even represent what he wants? Like yeah. would he would he rather be a smaller cog in a bigger machine that had a brighter upside, but he has to make all these concessions? Yeah. And I don't know. I, I I'm not saying I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no. I'm just saying I don't know. Uh, a couple teams that I have in this group that you didn't. So one is Sacramento. We you already you had them higher. I respect that. I have the Hawks and Nets here. Interesting. Both of those teams, one of the parallels is that they they don't have a a lot of control over their drafts over the next couple years, so I think that puts some pressure to maintain. But they also have good enough players that they'll be relevant. So 
I think that what's going to happen with the Nets over the next couple of years is that they'll be good, and then they'll have they'll they're putting all their kind of chips together. They're lining everything up for 2025, and maybe in 25 they can get that player. Maybe then they move into I mean maybe even tier one, but probably more likely like two or three. But until then, and maybe even after then, they're relevant. You know, they're they're low end playoff team that probably isn't going to win around. And then for the Hawks, they face more immediate pressure because unlike the Nets, where like the pathway is towards them getting more financially flexible, the the Hawks have bills and bills and bills, and that is going to be a challenge for them. But they also have Trey Young, who can lead a consistent offense. So for me, both of them are also like, I, I talked about how the Rockets, I think, are the quintessential team in this group. I have them as pretty strong where I would be surprised if they, because of some of the incentives in play, if they made any significant change from the path they're on right now. Uh, first off, excellent Destiny Childs reference with Bills, Bills, Bills. Um, second, so I have Hawks and Nets in a tier below the wide playoff window, which is you're going to need a crowbar. Okay. And for me, that's – it's not necessarily that they can't make a playoff appearance – they can even as early as like this season they could like the nets and hawks could definitely get in the playoffs because of the play in tournament but if it's like how are you going to be able to establish yourselves as a as a perennial playoff team and the teams in this group are chicago brooklyn atlanta and the utah jazz um and that's based off of i like i like the jazz i think they're exceptionally well coached i think marketing is awesome and I like a lot of their young players, but they strike me as more of this is a young team that I'm going to remember and be like that team was really fun when they had Markinen and you know Walker Kessler and and you know Sexton had that really good year like those types of things rather mm-hmm. than you know Keontae's rookie season um, rather than like oh that was a team that grew together and became like a force it's not like an OKC or a Memphis or any of those Atlanta at this point I have to put them there just because I'm like look you brought in you made such a huge upgrade in coach. Huge upgrading coach. I like Nate McMillan. Quinn Snyder's way better. And you're still a bunch of putzes. Like, you just cannot get yourself <laughs> That's totally <together>. fair. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. Like, no matter what you – and, like, I can't point to anything. It's like, Trey shooting's improved and this, that, and the other. And, like, they're just – I mean, DeJounte they, Murray is a valid shooter now. Yeah. That didn't change their destiny. Doesn't change anything at all. You know, De- DeJounte's going to be a Laker here in a few months. So, like – for me, um, they have to go here where it's like you're going to need some sort of black swan event that's going to radically change. Like then it's not that you're like you're hopeless, but you are going to need like something significant to break open that window and see the light outside. And with Chicago, um, I honestly might need to move Chicago down because I'm kind of like, you know, what would that be? Even yeah. then, like if, even if they, even if Kobe White like turned into the next De'Aaron Fox, which would be a massive leap for Kobe White. From where he's at even now after a big jump. Even then, with DeMar DeRozan expiring, with Vooch on his contract, like, what does that look like? The Nets, however, I think it's a little bit more, it's a little bit easier to see here, where it's like, they don't need a lot. They need, like, the right sequence of moves. They got a lot of pieces they got to navigate, and the timing is rough because of the picks owed. They're good, but I, I think that team is actually pretty good. They just, it's being good enough to contend annually for playoffs they are on a very steep curve going like their long-term six-year outcomes tend much further down than up. And that's why I think they got to be here. Sure. I think that's reasonable. And my last tier, I called it not there now and far away. And I ordered these teams in terms of how well they fit that description. And so for me, the team... And part of this is the challenge of defining terms, because if we're doing this, I did this more on like high end outcomes. So championship contention rather than like playoff contention. But so for me, I'll go from furthest away to least far away of this group. And I think that that could be a a lens for a little bit of discussion here. So for me, the furthest away is the Bulls, because they first of all, we don't know if they've identified what they're what they want to do. And I, I'm I'm worried that Arturis is going to believe more firmly in what they have and that they will lose on that. Not every team does, but I think that's going to happen. Number two is the Hornets. The thing that would give me a little bit of pause to potentially move them in a stronger place in this list would be the ownership change and that they could have a new general manager. But they're a long way away. Like they have, they need a lot of stuff to go right. Even if I'm a bigger Lamelo believer than most, still. Then the Wizards. The Wizards are a blank slate, except they still have a bunch of contracts on their books. So 
I don't Bilal Koulibaly to me is the most likely player on the next great magic team, but I don't know what player he is on that. Is he their best player, their fourth best player? We'll have to see. Then the Pistons, where the Pistons could actually move to where the Hornets are, depending on how the next month goes. They they may even go past the Bulls just to be further away if they do this wrong. But they have Kate Cunningham. They have some young guys I like. Then you have the Raptors. They're kind of start this next group of like, oh, they might have the guys already. And so for them, it's Scotty Barnes and now Manuel Quickly. Like, I'm feeling better about the Raptors now than I was a month ago. Then you have the Jazz, kind of similar thing. They may have the key guys with Lowry Markkanen and Kessler, maybe Keontae George. And then the Blazers, where they have Scoot, they have Shade Sharp, they have, you know, potentially some other young, I, I like a lot of their kind of like young role players potentially as well. So I guess the first question to you is, do you agree with that general ordering? Or do you think that there's a team that should be, I, I, you'd probably say the Raptors should be in the strongest position of that group? Yeah, um, I think that you got to look at Scotty Barnes and what they're likely to get from a Pascal Siakam trade um, and kind of factor that into the like they have they're going to get something for Gary Trent. They're going to get something for Pascal Siakam and then like just different pieces around Scotty Barnes. I think we're already seeing like I like this team better. You know, I like this team better with quickly and Barrett. Um, the, but getting buying, they may have bought high on RJ Barrett, but it's held up so far. And it's like, look, that's going to determine a lot of this. Is like, look, if they traded OG uh, and traded for for trade on a high value for Barrett, then it's a, a rough one. If they traded for low value and Barrett is actually like this guy that he's been this season in terms of the shooting efficiency, that's a win because you get Barrett and you get quickly like that's and the pick like that's that's a really good trade there. Um, this group for me, by the way, is titled "You Live in a Subterranean Cave Where No Sunlight Can Reach." <laughs> I like it. Uh, there is no window. There is no sunlight. You can't see anything. You open the window, and it's just a, a stone wall. Um, it's Charlotte, Washington, Detroit, and Portland only for me in this group. Um, with that order, as much as like it's interesting because I'm so much lower on Labella Ball than you are. I think you have to move Charlotte actually to the top because at least Lamelo, by all indications, if you swap Tyrese Halliburton and, and Lamelo Ball, do I think that the Pacers are as good? No, I do not because I think Tyrese Halliburton's a lot better. Are they comparable? Yeah, probably. Like they're within like range. Like they're not. They don't go from like, hey, they could make the playoffs to they are definitely a lottery team. They go from like, hey, they could make the playoffs to like, hey, they could make the play in. And so like that jump is, I think it's a ma- it's a significant jump between those two spots. Uh, but it, I think it does kind of give credit to LaMelo and what he's capable of. For me, it's just like, look, you know, they, they haven't traded Hayward. They haven't traded Rozier. They haven't shown that they're going to get anything for those guys. As the team has gotten worse, those guys' trade value has dropped. Like, nobody's like, well, yeah, we can go get Gordon Hayward and he can play five games for us. And that'll be awesome. Like, nobody is like, oh, yeah, like, backup point guard is such a big thing in this league. And yet Terry Rozier is there and everybody's like, oh, we're good. Like, they've ruined their own their own value of their own uh, assets. And that's that's really rough. Um, with Washington, you mentioned Bilal. Like, that's the only guy. It's just like, I can't look at that team and be like, well, they can at least build around. There's nothing. There's nothing there. And not only is there nothing there, but they, they looked at it and said, well, there's nothing here. I know. Let's give Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma tons of money. Why? What are you doing? Um, th- there's nothing really redeeming about Washington. Detroit, look, Katie was starting to put it together. It sucks that he got hurt because he was like, you saw it. Like, you're like, oh, like it's unlocking for Cade. Um, so at least you have that, but they are just so far away. And you mentioned like the stuff that they could do. Like they're a, they're a Siakam team. And if you want to talk about like, oh, you guys do not want to be trading for an expiring contract right now. Uh, that's that's the team that she needs to be real careful with what they do. And with Portland, you know, maybe Scoot Henderson becomes what I thought he was going to be. I have bets on him for rookie of the year. thought he was going to be phenomenal. And he's been like he was bad to start with. And then he's come back and been like, oh, pretty good. OK. Um, but then like after that, I just I I dislike a lot of the guys on their roster. Um, I my understanding is that Jeremy Grant is very likely to be on a different team by the deadline. I think that, that's you know, very possible as well. But that could be a good thing for them organizationally. I agree. Um, but like the the degree to which they're building around Anthony Simons, I'm like, you're not you're not going anywhere. There's no sunlight as long as you're building around Anthony Simons. <laughs> uh, he needs to be a very corollary piece to anything that you do. So um, those are the four. The only four teams I think that really belong in there is Charlotte, Washington, Detroit and Portland. Those are the only teams that right now I'm like. I don't know how in the six, in the next six years you get the title contention. It's going to take the a black swan event of an incredible magnitude. Last thing before we kind of head out: which team are you most confident in your replacement of them, and which team are you least confident in your replacement of them? I'm not going to say Denver because that's too easy. Um, 
Yeah, let's say which team with a little bit of intrigue. Yeah. I mean, I'll say I am I'm very confident in Orlando having a wide playoff window. I think they have good coaching, good bigs, good guards. Suggs has made a leap. Um Goga has given them a great season. Paolo has led with Franz out. That was huge to me because I didn't know if he could do it. Uh, Franz is really underrated and is awesome. They have, like, that team is going to be a playoff team and they're going to be a tough out. Like, they're going to be a tough team. Those guys get it. Those guys, That team culture there I think is very good. So the wide playoff window for Orlando I think I'm most sure about. The one I'm least sure about um, is, <laughs> is honestly probably Memphis because I think – the arc of the last 18 months has shook so much with them. And in the NBA, we talk about these things as if it's like, well, the, the team will not move them because they are good players. And so they will not move them. And that's not how this works. Like agendas are a huge part of NBA life. And if you are Jaron and Desmond, here is what you have witnessed. You witnessed Dylan and Jaw running their mouths when the Lakers beat the snot out of them last year and then didn't talk to the media, leaving you to do so. You saw Jaw get suspended and leave you out there with this team with no bigs where your career stuff has taken a hit. You're getting double and triple teamed based off of the attention of the other guys on the floor. And I'm not saying that they're going to ask out. I'm saying that these cores were like, oh, man, they got Jaw and Bain and Jaron for the long term. Maybe. Maybe they do, but maybe those guys get to a point in their career where they want something different. And things have been shaky enough with decisions by all sorts of actors in that in that situation that I am just kind of like, I don't know. We'll see. Like Jaws entire career feels like really volatile. Not not from a I don't think it's like, you know, he could be out of the league for disciplinary issues. Like I think he was a moron and did some dumb stuff and he'll probably grow out of it. But he also plays a hyper, hyper, hyper athletic style and already has a number of injuries on the on the board. This labrum thing was just like a freak thing. I'm not really willing to put that in there, but I've always been worried about his like knees given how sure. he lands on contact. And so to be honest with you, I don't know if Memphis has as much time as from the outside. I have to kind of ascribe to them. You can take almost every single word you just said and apply it to the Pelicans, which is yeah. mine, where, you know, a different different guy from South Carolina with different health issues and yep. different mentality questions, but the and, and who has established himself as like a high level player when he's engaged and healthy and everything like that. And the idea that but what Memphis like Memphis, I think their structure makes sense. So like the idea that it's really about how those guys play and fit together with New Orleans, the additional volatility of needing to change the mix makes me so much less confident in it. But I see the potential. And so that's why I'm I'm going to be more optimistic with them on that front. But I'm I'm really, really not sure with them. In terms of confidence of teams that I think there's some discussion, hmm. I like I like my placement of the Hawks and the Nets, like this huh. idea that that they're they're just I, I think I can read the situation the way that Marks and Fields are going to, where it's like, okay, we can deviate from course, but it's gonna take something much better than other people think. So like for example, I think they're gonna I think the Hawks are gonna listen on DeJounte. I think it's going to take more for them to move him than some expect. And they'll be they'll, he'll be, you know, like what some people have said with Miles Turner and John Collins over time because of the picks that they owe and everything else. And then with the Nets, there's a chance that a couple of years from now that that Mikhail Bridges, I mean, he could end up staying there anyway, but they're like, well, they kind of, you know, they had a really good player on a great contract and didn't really do a whole heck of a lot with it and so be it. But Considering all the picks that they owe and everything else, I think it's probably them. You could make an argument for a bunch of different... I mean, the other ones are obviously all those steep drop, but possible before. Oh, another team that I'm really not sure on, but we already talked about this, is the Warriors. Because yeah. they might just be done, like, yeah, as, I, as a high-level team. Like, that... that um, I, I do want to say on the Hawks... <laughs> What you kind of talked about, the biggest thing is that, like, it might take more for DeJounte Murray than you think. It might not take much at all. It might not be DeJounte. <laughs> it might be Trey. It might absolutely not be Trey. The The problem is whenever you ask around about what's going on in Atlanta, everybody's got a different answer because it depends on who you talk to. And yeah. when you got those type of situations, it more often than not ends up burning down. So True. I'm, oh, I'm that, that's a really – you know, the the – this it was a criticism that people levied on the Mavericks for a long time too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So 
Um, it, it's just gonna be interesting. And and like, look, what's great about this is we're talking about where we are right now. Like, we'll revisit this in a year, and we'll feel very differently about a lot of these teams. And that's that's why I yeah. think it's really and, and there are some that we'll feel differently about when they won't have made many changes, and there'll be some yeah. that we feel differently about, justifiably so, because we've gotten a lot more information and because they've they've done other things. Like Indiana, for example. Thankfully, Hal Burton's injury doesn't appear to be as severe as I feared. But we'll have a lot more. We'll know more about not only what they've done, but how the front office responded to what they did. And those will be very important and the Pels and numerous other circumstances. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to Matt Moore for taking the time to come on. You can check out his excellent work at the Action Network, but he also contributes to Locked On NBA and a lot of other great places. You can check him out on social media as well. Should you so choose, you probably already follow him there, so you can continue to do the, do so. If you want to support the show, there are a lot of different ways you can do it. For Real GM Radio, you can subscribe, download every episode, and as I mentioned in the intro, that is particularly useful for this week because we are going to have a second episode this week, making up for, for lost time, I guess you could say. And so that will come out later, so if you subscribe, then it will pop into your podcast player whenever it is ready and it also just helps with our metrics and everything else you can also help other people find the show specific episode or the podcast in general that's by leaving a rating and review in the podcast player of your choosing and please let me know if there is a podcast player that we are not in and i can pass that up the chain it's not something i can fix but i can pass to people who can social media is also a great way to help other people find the show and the single most important thing for real gm radio and any other podcast that has them is to check out our sponsors fanduel fanduel.com slash boston new customers can get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet, which is fantastic. And that encourages them to continue advertising on this fair podcast. Really do appreciate that. You can also check out my other work, Nate Duncan and I going strong with Dunked On, Dunked On Prime, Gamers, Awards, 15s and six, 15 and 60s. I actually don't know the portal of that. And everything else that we do. Lots of fun stuff there. And Written work at The Athletic, had a piece last week about Jeremy Grant and, as I called it, the forward carousel, which was funny because it came out right before the OG and Anobi trade, which then kind of moved that carousel forward. And Nate and I are doing the NBA strategy stream. It's roughly once a week. It is the two of us calling a game on League Pass with not only the game on the screen, so everything is together, but also we are taking your questions using the hashtag NBA strategy stream. We do those throughout the game now. It's very cool production that we're able to put out there. And the next one will be Kings at Bucks, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on Sunday. The day of the week is going to vary a little bit more during the second half of the year. We're trying some things out, also focused more on getting the best matchups we can. And Kings Bucks is going to be a really fun one. So extremely excited about that. If you have any feedback on the show, good, bad, or indifferent, NBA at gmail.com is the way to get to me. If you take the time to write it, I will take the time to read it. That is an absolute promise. I'm not the greatest at replying, but that's not the promise I'm making to you. And that is all for now. Thank you so much for listening. Have a happy new year. Take care and make it a great day.